Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with casual Hoya Andrew Geiger and Nationwide Nolan. Guys, tonight we just saw the Hoyas lost their second game of the season, falling at home in McDonough to Navy midshipmen 78-71. Real quick, the Navy backcourt combined of Cam Davis and John Carter Jr. combined for 48 points. Navy shot 67% in the second half. I'm sorry, 61% in the second half. Georgetown was outscored by the smaller midshipmen in the paint, 40 to 24, and bench points were in favor of the mids, 14 to 1. Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair each had 17, while Kudus Wahab had 16. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a joke. I, I really think it's a joke. Um, you know, big picture, I don't think anyone expected anything out of this team this year. That being said, to lose to Navy like this with the effort they put out there, it's just unacceptable. I and mean, there's no excuses that, that can be made for this. You can say, well, our talent is not – it doesn't matter. No Georgetown team should ever lose to Navy, especially at home, even in front of cardboard fans. This this was this and look, admittedly, I didn't watch a second of this game. I had stuff to do. You know, my bad. I'm, I feel bad for commenting on a game I didn't watch. But all I need to see is the final score, and all I need to do is scroll through the the comments on the site to see what went down, and none of it's surprising. And that to me is the biggest indictment of the current state of the program that you can lose to Navy, and everyone's like, yeah, okay. To me, that's not Georgetown basketball. Nolan, your initial takeaway? You know, the first half was kind of going as expected, where the offense really struggles. Defense was okay. And then you get to the second half, and 49 points allowed. Navy shot 20 for 33. Cam Davis, I mean, was clearly the best player on the court, which – I mean, that might be the biggest indictment of all that you just you had no answer for a Navy guard. Um, just the terrible performance. And the only pathway for this team to be competitive in my mind this year was to get better defensively. Yeah. And to look that bad for 20 minutes, it just really leaves you with doubts of how they're, you know, I think before we talked, well, maybe can, can they win five, six Big East games? Um, I don't know if you guys have seen St. John's, but you're not close to St. John's right now. And, I mean, I DePaul is yet to be seen, but I, I think you're in the basement, maybe by a good margin this year. And that was pretty ugly. I don't think they're going to win two Big East games. And even if, and I'm just using two as sort of like, oh, they'll stumble to two wins. This team mm-hmm. can't do anything. They can't execute an offense. Pick it. Look, I, I don't like using any like space or opportunity that I have to, you know, talk about about any specific player, but I am certainly ready to get beyond the the Jamorco Pickett era at Georgetown. Um, there's a lot of talk in the offseason about him and, you know, working hard at, at improving his game. I don't see it on, on, on either end. The performance in the first game was, was woeful. Um, this game... Uh, he, a player like that 
who's supposed to be the leader, needs to step up, put the team on his back. We shouldn't be losing to Navy. Um, and as far as the defensive woes go, I mean, we've been saying the same thing for <laughs> for a long time now, um, and certainly every year under Ewing. Um, I'm, I'm really at a loss. And, again, I can see how someone listening might be like, whatever, you know, we knew this year was going to be bad. But to me, this is very embarrassing. And everyone's going to look at the final score. They're going to see the name Georgetown, and they're going to see us losing to Navy. And they're not going to know about our current roster, and they're just going to see the Georgetown brand and look how far it's fallen. Yeah, it's really hard to disagree with that. Um, This is the second game of the season. Uh, I did the first game of the season. Ben and I yapped about uh, UMBC and the win the Hoyas had. And since there can't actually be media at the games, I thought this would be a great way. I'm glad you guys have the availability. I think you guys have a lot of availability going forward to put out pods post-game. And I was like, okay, we're going to be very professional about this. I'm going to have like a very, we're not going to ramble for eight hours. It's just going to be like, I'm going to have like, we're going to talk about, you know, an outline X, Y, and Z. And I look at it and I'm like, okay, you know, Let's talk about what Georgetown did right. That's not a long thing. Biggest takeaway, who stood out, unsung hero. And you kind of, you know, I don't even know if we want to get to that. I know Andrew's very fired up from the fact that you couldn't make it tonight and then you saw what happened and you said you wanted to be a part of it. You know, um, for me, everything that, you know, both you guys have said is right. And Ewing's, um, you know, Georgetown's had probably about, five or six zooms since the season, right, right before the season started. Everything's been fine. Tonight, it was not fine. Patrick was in a good mood yesterday. You know, he was actually joking with me. Um, he made me feel not, he, he didn't make me feel like an idiot, but he kind of clowned me for a second, which I think is totally awesome. Um, and he didn't seem like he was fire and brimstone. I think we might've actually had a pretty good post game with him, but after like the second person asked a question, he couldn't hear us anymore. And, um, I don't really know what to say about about where everything is, but we knew this was going to happen. But I think you got to get the wins against Navy and Coppin State to at least feel like something's going right. And the defense just isn't there. Like, I know we have kept saying that. That's the one constant of the Patrick Ewing era is his teams just don't defend. And I think that was one of the only things you could have out of this season is you look to the freshman. Sibley's not even playing, by the way. And based on yesterday's conversation, it was clear he's not close. Nolan seems to know more about that than us. You, you, Nolan, you were on that. And you had to establish some sort of defensive identity. Maybe there's guys on the bench, Holloway, Berger, who knows. But I think if there's anything, even if they go, like you said, Andrew, 2-18 and 18 in the Big East, I think they'll probably win more than that. But if they could do anything defensively, I think you could walk away. The recruits are coming in. You say, it's going in the right direction. I didn't see any of that tonight. Here's a question. Why does Kobe Clark get seven minutes when in game one, the kid grabs 10 rebounds in 12 minutes and look like your hardest playing player. And he doesn't really get a sniff tonight. So, and the ego half eight minutes, I just don't understand at this point, but that's another topic. Yeah. I, I think they're probably better off, especially against Navy. Like, so I, so you guys can, well, I guess Andrew, you can't since you didn't watch. Um, but when it was over Nolan and I, there was a couple plays, there was, there was a bad pass by Blair at the top of the key that made it 74-66. You're like, oh, this is probably over. But before that, I think it was Chudie Bile tried to do an interior pass to Ego Fa, and Who? it was just a. Who? What's that? <laughs> Who did you just say? 
Chudier, is that how you say his name? Uh, okay. I'm sorry, is, I forgot. I forgot about that guy. Well, <laughs> so those were kind of two of the moments where I was like, you know, first of all, you know, I know that there was times where if this podcast existed like five or six years ago, people would have made fun of, or not made fun of, but sort of like, you know, groaned with like a, you know, a Lubick to Hopkins pass down low. But when you're getting to, you know, Bile to Ego FA, like I think they just got to go much smaller. And I, and to Nolan's point, I think I think Clark's minutes went away because he had Bile available and he wanted to see what he was all about. Although um, maybe his ankle still bothering him, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Uh, Nolan, when did you think the game was out of reach? Uh, I don't know. Mid second half. I mean, it was one of those games where I guess they didn't go on that run until late, twelve to two run with about seven minutes left. Yeah. Um, but you could just see the defense kind of from the fifteen minute mark in the second half on just start to crumble. And, you know, the other thing with that is Navy didn't have anybody in the starting lineup taller than 6'7". So, because there's a chance maybe to go a little bit smaller, it was tonight. Play Kobe Clark. Give Dante Harris more than 12 minutes. I mean, clearly your bigger lineups were not working. So, where are we going there? One of the things I did see was, you know, Georgetown, the, uh, the, the Twitter account or whatever, is now tweeting out these scouting reports. Clips. Did you see the one before today? The Tides game. Yeah, it was with uh, Louis Louis Orr. Yeah, so I, I guess it's to scout. I, I don't know otherwise. Why would I think Akbar did the uh, did the one for UMBC? Um, but in that little clip, he's saying we got to guard the point guard. This I guess this is this Cam Davis character that, that you mentioned, who's the best player on the floor. We got to guard him. He's basically their only player. You know, they've got 24 players, but he's the one guy that that we have to, you know, guard. You know, he's the engine that makes them go and blah, blah. We didn't guard him? Is that basically what happened? They're un- Pretty I mean, much. I think they tried. <laughs> so what's, where's the disconnect? And I, even I, I mentioned to Bobby the other day that, you know, from game one it looked like Jalen Harris and Donald Carey might give you a little bit more length on the perimeter. Maybe you'd be better off this year. Um but there is miscommunication, disconnects, just not paying attention to detail. And then you got to wonder who's doing the scouting reports, who's drilling these guys in practice on what needs to be done. And it just, something's lost. Um, and I, I just don't think it's a matter of talent. Yeah, well, I mean, it's clearly both. I mean, there's clearly an issue with the lack of talent on the floor and then whatever issues might exist on the bench, just not getting through to the players. Even if you have a lack of talent, you can still run schemes that are effective or at least look effective. I mean, you know, Nolan, you're, the, you're a, more of an X's and O's guy than I am, but even guys who aren't athletic, you can roll six or five guys out there and play defense, make stops. Um, you know, you, it can certainly make things more difficult executing when you don't have the athleticism. But it can look good, right? I mean, you can, you can have, oh, you know, this guy needs to be at this spot at a certain time, and ball needs to go this way and that way. Well, I don't, I don't see anything, and I, don't, I haven't seen that in years. No, and even I don't know if it was Davis or Carter for Navy. I think there was in the first half. You know, they actually have played drop coverage with Wahab for the most part, which is was encouraging. But then in the first half, you see 
it might have been Dante Harris, and he's a freshman, so maybe you'll excuse it, but he went underneath the screen on one of those guys, and they made it three. And it's just little stuff like that, where if you're dropping your big man, you have to go over that screen. And well-coached teams just don't make those types of simple mistakes on defense, and it's just discouraging to see it. And forget about the stuff on the court. Boy, I, I don't, you know, I don't have any high hopes for Aminu Muhammad coming to Georgetown. But if he ultimately doesn't come to Georgetown because we don't have a scholarship for him, what were we doing there? Well, why did we use all of these scholarships on these? I mean, kids who can't play. <laughs> well, you can you can use him as an example, or now Will Baker from Texas, who yeah, seems yeah. to take a liking to Georgetown in the recruiting process. You don't have a scholarship for him right now, and in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that works. I, I don't know how. <laughs> I guess last year it it was easy for us because all the kids left. <laughs> but I don't know how it works when you want to make a room room for someone. Um, when you've got all your scholarships committed, I can't imagine you, you can force someone out the door, but maybe, maybe you can. I'm sure some of the bigger programs do. But I mean, this is just this is just a sad state of affairs. I think one of the things I noticed last season, even when they had their, their entire roster, which I think we're coming up on the one-year anniversary, I think it was either the 1st or 2nd of December last year where all hell broke loose. But it did seem like the staff, you know, Ewing sort of struggled trying to pick out of the 11 players what were the, the best lineups. You know, for example, we might not have ever seen Allen last year if, mm-hmm. you know, you stay with who you have, you know. So when, you know, the four, the when the 11 went down to seven, you know, Georgetown was actually playing really well for a while. You know, Bayheim was gushing all over him and they went to SMU and Oklahoma State and they did those things. And I'm looking at their roster right now. And I think there's a little bit of a struggle of what to do. And I, I, I don't think Ewing is the only coach like this where they're better with, with less options. But it was a bit head-scratching not to see more of Kobe Clark, the only guy that played to get less than 10 minutes after what he did last week. You figure he would have earned maybe more minutes by getting 10, 10 rebounds in uh, 12 minutes. And, you know, hopefully for you, for, you know, if you're, if you're Georgetown being one of the cornerstones going forward or the least you know the foundation but i'm starting to think that that even though you know you maybe even short like i said you shorten the bench a little bit i'm just trying to think of ways this group could get better um i i know i know nolan's been very adamant on on twitter about you know ego fa probably just isn't there yet and he had some crazy good he had a couple couple blocks today. looks like he had three. I noticed last game, I thought the Georgetown score was pretty unkind with the blocks. I thought, I thought Wilson had a couple and he had, he had zero, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to look at the roster, look who they have, you know, how can you get forward? And, you know, tonight something unexpected, something unexpected happened, uh, Andrew, in that Jalen Harris, who I think hit 17 threes last season, had three of them in the second half. So you kind of got some unexpected scoring from your grad transfer uh, point guard right? Um, they're not really getting Donald Carey involved enough. He was three for four, eight points. He looks to be pretty good. Um, but, you know, everyone off everyone off the bench is a, is a, a negative. It's Dante Harris minus 10, uh, Bile minus 11, uh, Ego FA minus 14. I'm just looking at the uh, plus minuses. And then Andrew's favorite, 
Um, Jamarco Pickett was actually a minus seven in his in his thirty four minutes, but, but Nolan right, that that might be an improvement for him from the UMBC game. Nolan, I'm turning to you since Andrew's more of big picture guy right now because he's swooping in to add to the color of, on this uh, podcast. Um, what did you see of anything that's going to be positive going forward? Attendance uh, looks good. <laughs> I. I mean, I, I'm still positive. I'm optimistic about Wahab being yeah. a really good center. Um, he's your bright spot right now. I just think offensively, if you get stuck playing in the half court, I I mean, they did okay in the second half offensively, but where are you going to go to score? I mean, Blair's turned into probably a better player than any of us thought when he came in as a freshman, but the reality is he's your highest usage guy right now, and not like we don't have a big sample on him now and he's a career 32 percent shooter from three and right. he's kind of supposed to be your marksman um you can dump it into the post to a hob but i don't know if that's all that efficient he's still what i center on um beyond that i i do like carry i think harris is okay at point guard um i think tonight what do you have seven assists to one turnover he did make three threes it looks yeah. like his jump shot has actually improved from how ugly it was at Arkansas. Um, and I do like Dante Harris and Kobe Clark. If you give them more of a shot, I think they can give you a little bit of a spark. Um, but you don't. But, but but you don't like them as players. You you're, you like them because. And this is a question. You like them because you think they can maybe bring something to the team. But if you were a fan of any other school, you wouldn't be like, oh, watch out for Dante Harris and Kobe Clark, right? No. You think if, yeah. I mean, if they were on Providence, I wouldn't think twice <laughs> about him, really. Um, right. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to scan the Big East rosters and say who is an impact player elsewhere, it might be Wahab a year from now. Um, you know, Pickett obviously could start wherever just because of his physical profile, but there's certainly things lacking with him. So it's, I mean, you, I don't know where you guys think the coaching ranks in the Big East. I think talent, you could put us at 11th. And then coaching right now, it feels like you could slot them right with DePaul and Dave Lieto, which is pretty sad. Yeah, I mean, you. I, I, I was surfing on Twitter last night um, because I have no life. And um, you... <laughs> During the province game, I think you were, Nolan, you were, you were fairly critical of, of Cooley, right? You were saying something about his, his sets and how Nolan wants to play there or whatever. Well, I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth, but um, t- talk to us about, like, what you saw from Cooley, you know, last night and I guess with Providence generally over the years um, and how it sounds like you think he's fallen off a bit too, right? And he's generally regarded as one of the top coaches in the Big East. I think his offense is terrible. I think it's just outdated that the game's kind of gotten away from a little bit where he runs this old school flex offense. He wants to throw the ball in the post. I mean, I would say it's similar to JT3, but if you notice like the last week, the Princeton offense has kind of had a revival with Richmond going to beat Kentucky, San Francisco run some of it. They knocked off Virginia, but with Cooley, the thing that's always going to save him is he gets maximum effort out of his guys and they defend. 
and that's enough to make yeah. up for the shortcomings elsewhere to at least make you competitive. And um, isn't that kind of the story of college basketball, right? Like if you do what, if you do what you just said, you kind of put yourself on the bubble. If you're at a school like Georgetown or Providence, if you, if you go at it hard and you defend and you kind of slow the game down a little bit, you can put yourself in the mix. It doesn't take that much, which is why, and it's not all Ewing, you know, it's two years of JT three, but you know, looking at year six of no tournament and really no bubble either is wow. No, I mean, you look at what it, yeah. I mean, just take like a team like VCU who has pretty much overhauled their roster in a year, but they play hard, they defend. And just this past week, they knocked off Memphis and they were pretty competitive with West Virginia. So it just, it feels like there's just systemic issues here with this program that haven't been solved. I don't know if it's because of the remnants from the JT3 coaching staff that still are hanging around or what the theme is, but I don't think this team on a game-to-game basis plays hard enough defensively, and until that gets fixed, it's it's hard to see this program making major strides. Georgetown Athletics will be hosting a pregame virtual event this Sunday at 3.30 for the Georgetown versus West Virginia game. This event will feature Patrick Ewing Jr., Jesse Sapp, and DSR, a chalk talk, fan interaction, Hoya trivia, and more. Interested in attending? Register here. So, you know what's kind of what's kind of interesting about that is uh, it was a 2008 Hoya Hoop Club bus trip that I that your boy was on over here, and the Hibberts were on it, and that that was a game where Jesse Sapp crossed up, I believe, my buddy Alex Ruoff hit a big three. And then uh, West Virginia went the length of the court and Ewing blocked it. And, you know, fans were like, you know, throwing quarters on the floor and the cops had to come out. There was, you know, it was like they, they, they wanted a goaltend. Huggins went crazy. So that's actually a pretty good job by Georgetown to get two of the more uh, important players in that series to come out. And then DSR, who I've been talking to, and I hope to have him on Kente Corner soon, is dropping an album, I believe, on Thursday. <laughs> an, an album? Yes, I contacted him and I said, "Hey, I covered you when you were in school. I'd love to have you on to talk about your album and talk about, you know, when when you played for the Hoyas." And he was receptive. Obviously, there's, you know, he's busy right now, but I think that's going to be really interesting. Andrew? Yeah, sure. I um yeah. <laughs> I very much look forward to uh <laughs> the drop of the DSR album, but no, but he, but even you know, like like I said, them them. I mean, obviously, it's not hard to get Patrick Ewing Jr. He's associated with the program, um, but to get Sapp, like I said, that that was. I mean, two thousand eight in my mind seems like five years ago, but it actually, it sort of feels like fifty years ago. If that makes any sense, it was probably the last. Well. I guess it wasn't the last time we were good, but no, they were good. It was the last, well, it certainly was the last team that. Well, I can't even say that. I was going to say it was the last team that I thought could go really far in the dance, um, but I think the out of order squad had that also. Uh, yeah, look, it's, I'm glad Georgia Athletics is doing whatever it can to drum up interest within the fan base 
um, and the lumps. I think this is obviously a good thing. I hate that it now has to come on the heels of this lost Navy. I'm sure enthusiasm would have been higher should, you know, if they would have just beaten Navy as a 10-point favorite. Um, but, alas, uh, you know, here we are. And I, I have a feeling that a lot of the fans, um, if they hadn't checked out already <laughs> after the game one performance, um, are certainly going to be checking out after this one. So I have a couple non-game specific observations. One, JT3 was on a phone call on the broadcast in the first half, which was just kind of surreal. Um, he was talking about all the coaches around the country that honored his father. So, but just to have, you know, the last coach on there and at the end of the, at the end of the, the uh, interview, one of the commentators who I thought the commentators weren't that great. I don't even know their names, but um, they asked him, you know, Hey, you, you know, really good record at Princeton and Georgetown. Are you going to get back into coaching? Cause guys with his record kind of usually get other jobs. I mean, he, you know, he did a good job, but um, he just, you know, he said he was happy with the wizards and he'll leave it at that. Um, and also, and Andrew, if you watch the first game, I hate, and I know that they're doing it, or I don't know that they're doing it, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they're, that there's a good reason, but all the Duke fans, all those years that have had to watch games where they don't get to see the bench. And now Georgia has their benches on the side of the camera. So we can't see it. I'm just struggling with that so much. I think Kansas has the same situation. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Does it not bother you guys? Nothing bothers me more than the team <laughs> sucking. Um, <laughs> uh, Nolan, what, is, what were your thoughts on Sibley, though? I mean, if Sibley can't get on the floor with this Motley crew, I mean, what does that really say about him? Uh, yeah, just – me and Bobby had that part about the freshman coming in and Nolan, the by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to hype up Nolan. He knocked it out of the park. He was like, he looks good. I'm a little nervous about stuff. He was hurt at Oak Hill and it's played out exactly like you said, man. Yeah. He, I mean, just from watching him more of the AAU stuff, because he did get hurt early with Oak Hill that he looked physically not ready. Skill wise, wasn't ready. And I didn't think he played hard enough. And on that AAU team, out of Milwaukee, he was probably the fourth best kid on it. Um, so I think just that freshman class to me, Dante Harris and Colby Clark were really the two you were banking on to help out this year. Um, I mean, it, you would think Ewing would at least throw him out there, um, Sibley that is, just to see if something might be there. I mean, he is uh-huh. your highest rated recruit, maybe just – throwing a lifeline for yourself, putting your top 100 kid out there um, to see what he has. But I think he is a ways off. So well, two, two know, things. Also, one, one thing, Bob, if you also, you know, I don't know if you all follow uh, Muhammad's handler. I forget his name on Twitter. <laughs> no, but, come on, man. Well, no, I forget his name, but what, what <laughs> I do notice what he tweets out there. And okay. he's always saying stuff like, oh, all these schools are recruiting, you know, Aminu, blah, blah, and I'm always watching to see how they're, you know, developing young young talent because Aminu is going to be one of the top young talents, and, they, you know, blah, the usual stuff. But, you know, to his point, if for whatever reason he sees Ewing kind of sitting on his recruits and not playing him, that's, that's really not a good look, you know? I mean, I would like to see what Sibley has. If, even if it's nothing, I kind of want to see him out there because um, he 
is going to play a role in the next few years, I, I assume. I, I... Unless Ewing thinks that he's so behind right now that playing throwing him to the wolves would just crush whatever is you know going positive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but who are the wolves? UMBC, Navy? I mean, what are we talking about? Well, I mean, <laughs> they are compared to being, if you're the fourth best player on your AAU team, which is what Nolan and I trust him, is saying, like, those dudes, like, throwing them out to Navy, like, I'm not saying that those guys are, you know, were, like, you know, playing for Team Takeover or whatever, but, like, <laughs> they're out there competing hard, and they're, you know, men. So if he's not ready to compete, I think that that would be throwing them out to the Wolves. Well. He's certainly not going to throw him out there against West Virginia because they will yeah. destroy him. But uh, you get destroyed you think... West Virginia regardless. So, you know, I think with the way last season went, even though, you know, Ewing rallied the troops and they played really hard and they were in all these games and I still think they got screwed against Villanova. One of the things I think the fan base was looking for is, you know, the recruits and specifically Sibley because, you know, we don't have to, people don't have time unless you get paid to do it, which isn't a very, you know, uh, big subset of the population to sort of follow recruiting that closely. And, you know, if you tell me, hey, you got a four star coming in, you know, I imagine most four stars play and contribute. What do you think made him get to that ranking and just, you know, how disappointing is it going to be for the fan base if, you know, if we don't see him until January? Yeah. I, I mean, my guess would just be his physical profile that, you know, as a 16 year old, he looked like somebody who would physically develop. He did play on a well-known travel team um, with Patrick Baldwin, Baldwin and Jalen Johnson, who are probably future lottery picks. So I think when you run in that crowd, you tend to get a little overhyped. Um, I think that's probably it, but long-term, what you get out of him, I don't know. I mean, if he's not good enough to touch the court right now for this team um, and Ewing kind of deflects when asked about it, that's not very promising. Um, I think he needed a good year just physically to develop and then skill-wise and the way he plays, I think that there's a long way to go there. You know what it kind of reminds me of, and it's obviously different, But when Isaac Copeland came in and he started playing, it was like, this is the five-star peak. And, you know, at that point, believe it or not, White seemed like the guy, you know. And obviously much different. Copeland played right away. That was a veteran team. So, you know, there was a lot more competition to get on the court. But I just remember in that moment feeling like, man, you know, it's just not what I picture a five-star. And this is definitely not the start to a four-star that I think, you know, myself and other people were sort of expecting. Cause I think, I think, and I know it's a lot of pressure on a freshman in high school or I'm sorry, a, a freshman at a high school. And, you know, it's during a pandemic and everything was different and all this, you know, the fact that we're playing is even, you know, crazy on some levels, but if we just want to talk basketball, you know, it, this is probably outside of losing to Navy, I would say two games in a row DNP coaches decision for Sibley are probably, um, it's probably the hardest thing to take, I think, right now. Um, Andrew, going into tonight, Georgetown was the number one team in the RPI. Do you think that will change before they host the 11th-ranked West Virginia's? I, I, I have a feeling losing to Navy at home in convincing fashion is um, not going to be good for our RPI. 
Um, but I'll leave that to the nerds with the calculators. Nolan, what do we have to look forward to against West Virginia? <laughs> well, if, the, if you want to be optimistic, they do have to travel. I guess they They're going to Gonzaga, right? Tomorrow night they're in Indianapolis and then have to come to you on Sunday. So maybe it's a little bit of a letdown. Downside to that is they're probably going to be coming off a loss. So um, West Virginia, typical Huggins, going to pound the offensive glass, going to defend like crazy. And he thinks they're a better shooting team in the past than they've had in recent years. So um, I don't think that'll be pretty. Andrew, you put up a poll, I think, right after the game ended, right before the Zooms or maybe after the Zooms. You said, you know, what would you rather have, um, the tournament, flameouts, or this? The poll was, Georgetown fans, what do you find more embarrassing? And there were two choices, the flameouts and the dance or the current state of the program. Did you vote? Um, did I vote? No. Yeah. I, when I posted, I, I couldn't vote. But the... There are 400 and change votes right now, and the current state of the program is winning 85% to 15%. The point of this this poll was really to kind of make a point that this is it's really bad right now, you know. And I think maybe we were short-sighted, blog included, um, toward the end of that JT3 era, and I know that. He had some teams that struggled, you know, the LJP teams and the, the Rodney Pryor, team, Pryor teams and, and whatnot. But we were way better than we were now. <laughs> and we, we, had, we, we had a good thing going for a long time. And um, that's just not – things right now are not good. And it's, I, don't, I don't see how – I mean, yes, I know we have some good recruits coming in for next year, but it's going to be a long climb to get back to where we were under JT3. I think I texted you on Sunday and asked you, you know, what's the biggest weakness for the program? And I want to say in all caps, you responded home court advantage or lack thereof. Well, you, you said aside from, I think you said aside from talent or something like that. Um, but, you know, the lack of talent would be obvious. Number one, I think not having a home court advantage, which I know Nolan thinks is, it's certainly something that hurts the, the team. Um, you know, I guess, pandemic, pandemic I guess what I would yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've been paying attention to Georgetown since Alonzo's freshman year when I was a kid. Um, I'm 40, 40 years old. This is definitely the worst team on paper <laughs> in my lifetime. And I think that, you know, it's kind of playing out that way. And maybe – maybe people weren't expecting it or, you know, maybe people, I mean, I thought UNBC was going to be a scarier matchup than Navy, but I, you know, I'm going to admit I don't have those teams, you know, memorized um, or completely understood, but I would say this, Ewing did a, the thing going for Ewing is that he did, even though it fell apart and we're, we're, you know, we're still living in it. Him and his staff got a group together last year. That was a good group, right? That was an NCAA tournament group. So, it's possible. What do you mean? But what's what that? What do, you, what do you mean they were an NCAA tournament group? I, I think before, you know, the first set of transfers, Akinjo and LeBlanc, you had an NCA roster. Oh, yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. So, you know, so 
you know, he had never been, he had never been college coach before and he did assemble a roster. He had some transfers. He had some guys that decommitted and committed to him. And, you know, he had, you know, gotten talent in all different ways and that's what you're supposed to do. And that's how you, okay, okay, but let, let, let me ask you this. Has he ever coached? Well, like, I think he coaches offense. Well, I think he coaches like an NBA coach. Right, Nolan. Nolan, Nolan I, I, you I think, think <laughs> I think the structures of his offense the first couple of years have been fine. Um, defensively is just where it's like, you know, and it's funny we talked about this, but when he was hired, you thought with his a his playing career and the b his coaching where he, the coaching tree comes off of the Van Gundy Thibodeau tree. Yeah that yeah. defense was going to be what he focused on, what he was – I mean, I kind of had the impression in my head that there's going to be a baseline defensively with how good we're going to be. And my question was on offense. I thought the defense would kind of sort itself out with how good – I mean, those guys, all of them, Steve Clifford, the Van Gundys, Thibodeau, anybody off of that tree, they can coach defense. And he's just come up short on that end. So I was on with Gene Smith. This past weekend with a couple other guys, um, George Barnett, Aiden from 24-7, um, Nathan from The Voice, uh, Trey Dickerson was on. It's the normal crew. Well, Trey and Gene are the normal crew. And I'm not trying to take his take his stuff, but one of, one of the things he'd sort of asked was, and I think it's a good question. I'd be interested to in what you guys have to say is, you know, if you could have an off-the-record conversation with Ewing, what would you ask him? And I thought that was a really difficult question because there's so many things I would love to ask him off the record one of them would be kind of what you just said nolan and you know you had all these resources how much have you gone to them to you know to riley to tibby to, to van gundy and been like hey look defense just isn't here like what am i missing um yeah. you know another thing would just sort of be because from covering mullen when he's been here and at the Big East tournament mullen just seemed he wasn't engaged and ewing isn't like that like ewing's you know all in on georgetown is just you know what did you learn after everything that went wrong last year with the exodus, you know, and like, was it roster composition? Was it personalities? Mm. Is it just hard to deal with college kids? So those are kind of the things that I, that I thought of. I think it's a good question. I'm going to, like I said, this is, this is, this is Gene Smith's question. So I'm not trying to take credit for it, but (laughs) can you guys, can you guys give me what, what uh, you would uh, say? I would just say in relation to what you just said, if I could give him some true sermon, ask him how many of these staff hires were actually yours. That would be my question because I think that's what's kind of held him back. Um, I don't think these were his guys. I think he could have brought an NBA guy with him who could have focused on the defensive end or offensive end. And I I would just like to know how much of this has actually been your own decision-making with this program. That's good. What was yours? Mine? Yeah. Are you? It was. I just. I just said it. I mean, not yours. Were some of the ones that were going around that you said there were. You the other guys in the pod. What, what were some of the other ones that were like discussed? You know, honestly, I can't. I can't. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> it was like two days ago. I, I've had like eighteen <laughs> pods since then. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. <laughs> no, I think yours is a good one. Um, I, I don't know. I, I often wonder 
how this all ends and whether or not he kind of wants to see this through or, or kind of wants goes to bed at night thinking, do I really want to be here? But he can't because he's Patrick Ewing and he, you know, uh, I don't know. I, it just, I guess I would really like to know. Uh, that's the best way to put this. Like, what's what's the end game for Ewing? You know, not what will ultimately happen to Patrick Ewing from a fan perspective, but what is what is his end game? You know, what 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 has to happen to the program for him to say, you know what? You know, I've, I've done all I can here. Um, I, I don't know because the, the the play on the on the court certainly has improved, has not improved. I'm just wondering what needs is it is it a, a year with next year's class? Is it two years with next year's class? Um, like, what wh- what does he want to see, or what does he need to see in order to be like maybe this isn't for me? And maybe maybe, that's, maybe what I'm saying isn't coming across well, but um, I I just don't know what his end game is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if you're Patrick Ewing, you want to return Georgetown to the place where, which is hard to do because he had them literally, they were a Duke, they were Kentucky, you know, at that, in that moment, uh, I, I assume he would probably say that he wants to do that. That's just, that's just really hard. I think another question would be pretty good is, you know, are are you surprised that your pedigree of a player and then being in the NBA and being, you know, winning gold medals, being a, one of the top 50 of all time, you know, are you surprised that that hasn't led itself to more five stars and guys that are, you know, on the cusp of making the league wanting to play for you? Cause I, I think that's what I thought. I mean, that's kind of what's happening with Jawan Howard, you know? Um, I wonder if he thought it was going to be a little bit easier to attract the players based on who he is. Yeah, who he is, and you know the commitment that Georgetown made to that practice facility, which still sits there. Um, you know what, what? What really is the missing piece? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer. Well, tune in next week on Kente Corner, and we will have <laughs> all of the answers. Um, I forgot. I know you guys emailed me back. Are you guys on for post West Virginia? It is an uh, NFL yeah. Sunday. Oh. Um, it'll be a game time decision. We'll see what happens. It'd probably be about 4.30, so two-hour game. The Zooms take about a half hour to an hour, so you're talking you're talking like, you know, 7, 7.30 or so. Yeah, it shouldn't be an issue. Same seven early game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I should be ready to, ready to go over that one. Okay. Well, I don't think we've offended too many people, and I think we've tried to keep it real. I think that's good. Um, again, Georgetown is the undefeated dream is over. They are one and one after falling to the midshipmen. Andrew, I'm excited. I'm excited. We've got GSR's album dropping on Thursday. I think that's worth. I think that's. I think that's good. We got something to look forward to. This is great. Is there going to be like a, a diss track? <laughs> Look, I'm trying to track him down. <laughs> and I can talk about it on here, and then you then you can listen. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting. If there's some like subtle diss track that some of his former teammates in the Hoyas, we can delve into that. And this is this is this is good content. 
Hopefully he's got I can't remember who was on Syracuse during that time. I guess he only faced Syracuse three times, right? Sure. Maybe 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 when he was a senior they they'd started the uh series again, but but yeah. Um Yeah, uh, we'll we'll regroup on Sunday. I'm sure we'll have more to discuss. Tune in next time for your post game Georgetown Hoya Kente Corner wrap up. Nolan, Andrew. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.